morning church. You know, sometimes when you have a powerful service like this, you feel like I don't need to do anything. I feel like God's doing already so much, and it's like, well, God, what more can I add to it? <laughs> Holy Spirit's come, spoken, Prince of God is moving. I'm like, all right, Lord, how do I top this? But he has given me a word, so I will share the word that he's put on my heart to share today. And um, it's about... The kingdom criteria. I know I've been going through a bit of a series over the last few weeks. God's been putting a word about the kingdom on my heart. So here we are at the kingdom criteria. And we're going to have a look at criteria of the kingdom that are necessary uh, for us to be a part of the kingdom. Because that's what we are, right? We're born again into the kingdom of God. We're serving a king. And therefore, we have to meet a certain criteria. What does the word criteria mean? It means a standard of judgment, a rule or principle for evaluating or testing something. So no, it's a standard. It's a certain standard that God asks us to live by, that God calls us to live by, and that Jesus himself exemplified in his lifestyle. When he said, come and follow me, he didn't just say, follow my footsteps, but he was saying, follow my lifestyle, follow as I do, you do. All right, so there's a portion of scripture that I've been meditating on for about a month now. And I can't get it off my heart. I just keep going over it and over it and over it. And um, it's found in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. I'm going to look into it. And it's about, once again, it's about the, the ten virgins. All right, if you've got your devices and your Bibles open, we'll go to Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So as I was reading this portion of scripture, a question arose in my heart, and it's a question I want to ask the church today. Do we know what time it is? Do we know what time it is? When we're looking at the, the world and the way that the world's going, the, the wars, rumors of wars and stuff like that, and we line it up to the Bible and we line it up to scripture, we can see clearly that we're in the end times. I don't think there's a Christian uh, that, that knows the times that would disagree with me and say we're definitely in the end times you know we're coming to a time now we're talking about uh, the, the, the rapture and the coming of Christ and certain things have to line up um, but I was thinking about as I was thinking about what time it, what time is it I remembered a movie that I watched some time ago a uh, 2011 movie with Justin Timberlake. Do you remember Justin Timberlake, the singer? I didn't know that he starred in a movie called In Time. 
And in this movie, everyone lives up to 25 years old. And when they get to 25, this, this, they have a one-year uh, stopwatch that they've only got a year left. And the only way they can add time to their life is by doing certain work, doing certain things for their life to continue. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, what if we knew how much time we had left? What if God said to us, right, you've got one year left? What if God said you've got a week left? How differently would we live our lives? How would we live our lives if we knew how much time we had left? I know me, if God said to me, right, Gary, seven days, you've got seven days left to get your house in order, get your life in order, get straightened up. I'd be like a maniac running around trying to get my life in order. Have I got this right? Have I got that right? So that I can be ready to meet the king. I'd be prepared. Psalm 90 tells us about numbering our days. Psalm 90, verse 7 to 12. This is the, uh, I believe it's a prayer of Moses. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a prayer of Moses. Psalm 90, verse 7 to 12. This is Moses crying out. Poor Moses. He had to deal with these Israelites. Bless him. For we are consumed with thy anger, it says, and by thy wrath we are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before us, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days passed away in thy wrath. We spent our years as, as, a, table, as, as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. If by reason of strength, then they be fourscore years. Yet is their strength labour and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. In verse 12 it says, So teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You know, as a young man, I'm 40 now, <laughs> I'm 40, but when I was like 20 or 30, I thought, I've got loads of years left, I can do what I want to do, I can party, I can have fun, I can do this and do that, but now as, as I grow older in my Christianity, I'm like, I don't know if I've got much time left, I'm looking at the news, I'm looking at the end times, I'm looking at the prophecies in the Bible, and I'm going, I better get myself together, I, I better get my, my house in order, I better not be like one of these foolish virgins that they weren't prepared when the time came for, to meet the bridegroom. Many today are saying that the church has lost its sense of urgency. I remember having a beautiful conversation uh, with Paul Lucas in his car one time as he was preparing, I think, I don't know if it was something to do with the army or the D-Day or something, it's left my memory. But we had this wonderful conversation about when World War II happened, the, the United Kingdom joined together in prayer. And we came together as a church and the churches were filled and everybody was on their knees praying. And there was a unity about the country and about the nation, about seeking after God. And in that time, people had a fear of the Lord because the bombs were going round and the war was going off and people knew that, they, that that could be their last day on earth, that could be their last day, that they may not wake up to tomorrow, they may fall asleep that night and a bomb may hit their house and they may be dead. So people were ready to meet their maker, they were ready to meet God. And as I was having this conversation with Paul, he was saying, you know, we've lost, we've lost that urgency, we've lost that sense of, uh, you know, God, God, you could require my life at any moment. You know, what am I doing? Is my life prepared for you, God? And so the nation at that time, they stood strong in prayer and in faith. However, the general view of the body of Christ today seems to be that the church has fallen into a deep sleep. And in doing so, has lost the fear of the Lord, has lost that kind of 
God, you know, you could show up at any moment. You could require my life at any moment. That reverence and that fear of the Lord that says, I need to live for you. I need to, I need to lay down my life for you. And so, but the good news is that God has got a plan. God has always got a plan for his church and for his remnant. He's always trying to wake the body of Christ up. He's always trying to stir the church. He's always, always trying to do something to snap us out of our slumber and out of our sleep. As he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Praise the Lord. So looking at criteria, the first criteria, I think I've got about six of them here. <laughs> six criteria. But the first one I want to look at is found in Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. That's Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. Let me just take a sip of water while you're finding that. It's a hot day today. All right, it says, Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So here's the first criteria. It's actually twofold. Repent and believe. The first criteria of the kingdom for all of us is to repent and believe. And so sometimes we find ourselves good at believing but not so good in repenting. Sometimes we find ourselves good at repenting, but not so good in believing in our faith. And we've got up there the John 3.16, and we, and we know some of it, we know it off, off by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But then we put a full stop there, and we don't move on to the next few verses, which go on to say, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is, already, is condemned already, because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither come to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So then, as a Christian, we understand that not only do we have to believe in Jesus, we have to come into the light. There's, there's, there's part of our lives that we can't hold back. I know as a Christian, 20 years now, there's times where I've wrestled with God. I've given him some of my heart, some of my life, but then I've kind of kept a little bit to one side. I've had a little closet where I said, well, you know what, Lord, I'll just shove that bit in there. I won't, won't tell anyone about that bit. But over time, the Spirit of God is saying, come on, Gary, bring, bring that bit into the light now. Come on, we want to deal with that part. And I'm like, well, Lord, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing. It's a bit, it's a bit unnerving. But God's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We can deal with it. We can move forward. I want to better you. I want to strengthen you. I want to make you a better person by bringing that into the light. I can give you victory over the darkness because how many know God wants His church to have victory over the darkness. He doesn't want the kingdom of darkness having His hand on us. He doesn't want the, the gates of hell prevailing against us. He doesn't want the enemy messing us about. He wants to give us strength strength through the word of God and that's what the word of God is, it's a lamp it's, it's, it's a light it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path so when we look back at this chapter that we read in uh, Matthew 25 we see here that the virgins the foolish virgins didn't take any oil with them it says 
But the, uh, sorry, the, they that were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. So all of us are on a journey to meet the bridegroom. But once we get born again and we get saved, we're on a journey to meet, we're heading towards Jesus, yeah? On our way, we're doing certain things like bringing people along the way, saying, come on, I'm coming to meet the king. We're going to the kingdom. Do you want to come with me? That's part of preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel, the good news, the good news excuse me. But then it's like going on a journey and forgetting the oil. If, I was saying to the Lord, I was, I was praying about this. I was like, so what's the lamp, Lord? And the lamp, the lamp, he said, is the Holy Spirit. He said, it's your spirit, man. Your spirit, man. I said, so what's the oil? He said, the oil is the word of God. He said, so you need this word every day to keep filling up your, your inner man, your, your lamp. And if you, if, you, if you leave it behind and you go on a journey, then what happens is your, your lamp doesn't have enough oil to be able to shine to see where you're going. And as I was reading this, it was encouraging me. I said, okay, the importance of the word of God in my life means that I need it daily. You know, we, we just had the communion. We're talking about, you know, having communion with the Lord. And, and Jesus says, you know, I am the bread of life. And he taught in, in, in the Lord's prayer, it says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. So the word of God is my substance. It's something I need to strengthen me as a child of God, strengthen my inner man. Because imagine if you only ate once a week. Imagine you only ate once a week on a Sunday. You'd be pretty anemic, you'd be pretty skinny. I mean, I need to do some weight. <laughs> and I'd probably, maybe, I need to fast some, sometimes. But imagine you only ate once a week. And that's like some of us as Christians. And I used to be like that. I, I don't, I'd only be a Sunday Christian. The only time I'd be in the Word of God is on a Sunday when the pastor's preaching across the pulpit. And that'd be the only time that I'd be getting in the Word of God. But God wants to encourage his church to get in the Word daily so that your inner man can be strengthened, so your inner man can be filled with light, so can be filled with encouragement, can be filled with strength. So when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, you know, great is our God. I forgot the words of the song there. <laughs> but... Having the word of God in my life is what uh, gives me the victory over the darkness. Praise the Lord. The second criteria is that we must walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1, 5 to 10. It's very hot up here. I see I need someone to fan me while I'm preaching. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 10, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So not only does the word show us our path and where we're going so we can see in front of us, the word shines inside of us. It shows us areas of, of our lives that we can't always see without the word of God. It's, it's a mirror, James says, that it's like a mirror that we look into that it shows us who we truly are. 
But we're not to just look into it and see ourselves and go, oh my gosh, that doesn't look good, and walk away and forget about it. But as we look into it and we see, oh man, I've got some issues. Oh man, (laughs) the word of God's dealing with me. I've got this and that. But we allow the word of God to cut out that stuff, to, to, to remove that stuff. We allow the word of God to replace that stuff. As God uproots certain issues and certain things in our lives, we replace it and plant the word of God in its place. So that's the second criteria. The third criteria, moving on swiftly. It's James, just what I was reading just then. James 1, verse 22 to 25. We have to obey the king. This is the third criteria. Apply the word to our lives. And it says in verse... Starting from verse 21, sorry. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So it's about allowing the word of God to train us and equip us. It's not easy because the the word of God deals with us. Do you ever like sometimes skip through the Bible and as you're going through the Bible, you kind of skip pages where you know it's going to deal with you. You're like, ouch, let me just skip over that bit. Is that the bit that makes me a bit uncomfortable? Let me get to something soft like Psalms, you know, the God's mercy, God's grace. And, and then the, 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 they're the parts that kind of, we, we can, we're comfortable with that. But we can't skip over certain parts. We have to allow it, even though it hurts and, and, it, and it deals with us. That way we can, we can overcome some obstacles in our life and, and the enemy can't have a field day with us. And we can, get, we can get a victory over the enemy. Praise the Lord. All right. Excuse me, it's so hot up here. (laughs) All right, moving on. The light helps us to see where we really are at so we can stay in line with God's standards of living, so we can stay close to him and and enjoy the full benefits of walking in the light as he is in the light. The fourth criteria, I'm nearly finished. Being open to allow the word to change us, being teachable. Are we teachable? Are we teachable? You know, are we allowing God to teach us and train us? Sometimes we have to unlearn some stuff in order to learn some stuff. When I came to Christianity, I was taking the wisdom of the world and trying to apply it to a Christian walk. And it didn't work. I had to unlearn a load of stuff in order to learn God's way of doing things, the kingdom way of doing things, you know, so that... I didn't keep bumping my head against the wall or going round circles like the children of Israel, going round and round until I came to a place where I was teachable. And the word of God says in 2 Timothy 3, I know there's a lot of scriptures, I apologize. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
you know, these guys are on the, on the stage and they're skilled in their instrument, yeah? They're skilled, you know, Isaac's skilled on the drums. He's skilled on the bass. I've seen you on the guitar. You know, Tommy's there on the keys. He's skilled. He's took time to, 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 to build up them skills and to make himself uh, skilled in them instruments. But how many know, are we going to be skilled in the word of God? Are we going to be skilled in being educated in how to, to, to swing our sword? Because we've been given a sword to fight the enemy, but sometimes we, we go out in everyday life and we leave our sword at home. Or we don't bring it with us, or we're not, we've not got it in our hearts. So when the enemy comes and starts fighting us, we haven't, we, we've got nothing to draw on, we've got nothing to count upon. But when we've got the word in our hearts, when we've got the sword with us and we're going into battle, then, then we can become skilled, like a master swordsman. And I believe that's what God wants his church to be, like a master swordsman. You know, so <laughs> praise God. And, and so over the years, that's what I've had to do myself because I can't rely on what the world says or what, what the world teaches. I have to rely on the word of God so that I can fight my battles. When I've been through dark times, when I fell off the motorbike and I smashed my ankle to pieces, I had to learn to walk again. I had to go through pain and dark times. When, when I thought Laura would be cured of cancer, but she wasn't and she, she passed away, it was the word of God that helped me to fight my battles. Yeah, It was the word of God that helped me to get back up again and, and believe for a future and believe for, for, for another day. Without the word of of God, I'd be listening to the word of the world. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be out of my head. I'd be doing madness. But because of the word of word of God, I can stand here today and share the good news of the gospel and say, "Church, come on! God has given us the greatest treasure known to man." I mean, if I said to you right now, there's a million pounds hidden somewhere in this church, and if you find it, you can have it. You guys would be jumping up off your seats. You'd be tearing this building to shreds, looking for that million pounds. I want it. I'm getting it. Or you'd rip the, everything to pieces. But what if I told you there's a greater treasure right here in this book? It's not just a book, saints. It's not just words on a page. It's spirit and it's life. And if we could get into this more than we get into magazines and Netflix and movies and this and that, my God, we'd, we'd be generals in the faith. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that's what I inspire to do myself because I know the word works. I've tested it. I've proven it. And it works. So I can encourage people here today that if you're going through a tough time, you're going through a hard time, you don't know whether to look left or right or anywhere. Look to the word for your answer. There's a word for every single season of your life. Whatever it is in your life you're going through, there's a word for that issue. There's a word for that heartache. There's a word for that trouble. But we've got to seek for it. Seek and you'll see. The Bible says, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it'll be given you. But like I say, are we willing to go and seek the word the way that we should do? All right, coming to a close nearly. Number five, criteria number five is to stop the darkness from taking over our lives. Second Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. This is Paul trying to encourage Timothy. He says, you should know this. Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. 
They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider not, nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They will, they will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. It's another criteria because, like, we've got to stay around people of the light. We're all people of the light. We're all children of the light. That's why we're the church and we stay together as a light. If we mix with the world, with the people of darkness, that darkness can easily rub off on us. I remember, I think it might have been Chris says, you know, he doesn't like to be around people who cuss because sometimes it rubs off. You know, you get around people who do certain things. All of a sudden you find yourself, oh, did I just cuss then? Man, because I was around someone that did something. And so that, that darkness rubs off that behavior, that attitude can sometimes spread and, and, get, and get on ourselves and contaminate us. All right, in closing, the sixth criteria is to have a broken and contrite heart. And to keep our hearts from hardening. The Bible talks about plowing, plowing up the fallow ground of your heart. You know, like an engine in a car. If you don't oil it regularly, it's going to come, become seized up. And it's easy sometimes for our hearts to harden. But when we keep allowing the word of God daily to flush through our hearts, it keeps our hearts soft and, and, and broken and contrite. And I think of Psalm 51 when David, you know, he'd, he'd gone through what he went through. And he was going through the, the, the process of his repentance. And he said, God, you know, the, the sacrifices to you is a broken and contrite heart. It's a beautiful prayer in Psalm 51. But 2 Timothy 4, 4, 3, sorry, my apologies. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 to 4 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever the itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So here we've got the six criteria of the kingdom. If we keep trying to adhere to those criteria, if we keep trying to live towards them, then we'll have the best of the kingdom, what the kingdom has to offer. You know, we won't have to look to the world to meet our needs and provide all the things that we need because God will provide it for us. So as hard as it's been to minister this word, sweating under the heat of this heat wave, I just want to encourage us today that whatever you're going through and whatever troubles you've got in your life, look to the word of God. Get a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. You know, I can have a hunger for Domino's pizzas. They taste nice, man. I love a Domino's pizza. But you know what? This is like honey to the lips. When you get a hold and a taste of the word of God, man, it gives you a, 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 it, it gives you a joy that you can't get from the world. It gives you a peace that no one else can give you. So as I pray, I just pray we'll be encouraged, amen. Father, I thank you today, Lord, for your word. I know it's been a difficult one to minister under this heat, but Father, I just pray, God, that you'd encourage our hearts today that wherever we're, whatever we're going through, wherever we're at, Lord, we'll just lock ourselves in with the word of God. You know, even Jesus himself, you know, was in the temple getting the word of God into him when his parents went away and said, where's Jesus at? Jesus was in the temple about his father's business. And when the time of temptation came, he had that word ready to fight the enemy. He was able to say back to the devil, it is written, it is written. 
And we want to be like that ourselves, Lord. That when the enemy comes to tempt us, when the enemy comes to try us, we can have that word ready. We can have that lamp that shows us the way that we need to go forward. And we can be prepared. That we won't be like the foolish virgins, unprepared, Lord, when the time comes. Lord, I don't know how long it's going to be till you come back or until the rapture is, but I know it's soon. So, Lord, I just pray you encourage your church today to be prepared. Get ready, Lord, because today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So, Father, I just pray you bless each and every one of us today. Encourage us with a word so that we can keep moving forward as your church. In Jesus' name, amen.